Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And today I'm talking to a young guy named Ethan who's on our staff and, and really bringing some energy and excitement to Silver Birch Ranch. Uh, how did you serve Silver Birch Ranch, Ethan, in the past? What, how did you even find out about this place? Yeah, yeah. So when I was younger, uh, my church used to always send up a group, you know, uh, back in the olden days. So I, I started camping here when I was in like fourth, fifth grade. Um, and I kind of came back every summer just for a week. And then when I hit high school, I started volunteering in the summers. And then I hit college and I actually stepped away for, I don't know, probably three years. And through a series of, well, now I call them fortunate events, but at the sure. time they're, you know, very unfortunate. Um, I actually got the opportunity to come back. Um, so I came back to work on summer staff worked there for three summers and I just felt like I was finally being utilized here. I felt like the talents that I had fostered or that God had given me, sure. you know, finally felt like they were all being used instead of only one at a time in separate, you know, areas. Right. So uh, eventually when I was told there was an, an opening here, I, I couldn't wait to try and be part of the team and here I am. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's interesting you talk about that because there's a developmental thing that happens there. And again, if you haven't listened to Younger Older before, I'm in my 60s. How old are you? Um, 24. There you go. So we've, we've got an age difference here. <laughs> and um, yet Ethan and I can sit and talk about something for hours. We, we have different generational views and understandings, which is fine with both of us. And what's important is that you understand the importance of having people as friends that are different generations both when you're older and when you're younger. It's mm -hmm. not just a one-way street there because for a, a nation to get along and solve problems, you can't do things the way we always did them. That's what caused the problem we're in. However, mm -hmm. there are some basic fundamentals that will always be there no matter what, and the only way to learn those is by life experience. So the older guys have the experience. They're not smarter, but they have experience that they could share. And that's what's really important about these conversations. Um, really not trying to sell my viewpoint or want Ethan to sell his. We're trying to have a discussion about whatever comes up to our plate. And I encourage you to do the same at your home, your church. And in fact, if you're not um, meeting with somebody that's older than you or meeting with somebody that's younger than you on a regular basis, uh, you ought to get to it. I mean, look in your church. There are people you can sit and have coffee with or talk to and you'll probably have your life enriched. I mean, you, you had a leader named Ray, right? Yeah. And uh, you came up with a group, and I actually know the history of your group coming up here, which was all a big mistake, kind of. <laughs> uh, not really. Yeah. Uh, you know, but Ray came up, and we talked to, to Ray, and, and, and I asked him why his group wasn't camping, and we started talking about it ever since then. He's been camping. And uh, you've been part of that group, and I was speaking at a church once, and a, and a gentleman came up to me to talk to me and said, you know, do you work with, uh, with kids from, you know, certain geographical areas? I said, yeah. He goes, well, we've got money that we want to use to help those kids. And from then on, your group was actually sponsored for a lot of what they did. Mm -hmm. and, and you're part of that now. So when I look at you, I get really excited about how God used all these different circumstances to get you up here, not, not just now because you're on staff, but because you represent a bunch of other young people who have been affected by somebody else's generosity who just 
thought I should probably help kids in that neighborhood go to camp. Right. That was random to me because I was speaking about other things. Right. And, <laughs> and this, came up to you. this gentleman came up to me and said, I'm a lawyer for this foundation. We're looking for this. Can, can we use the money at your place? And I said, sure. <laughs> and that was it. <laughs> just, and and, and yeah. from then on, you know, there's been that, that sponsorship. So God has provided in a fun way. And, and I get to, as an old guy, look at you and be excited about God's provision and see some of the fruit. And, uh, and there's been other fruit. I mean, obviously, your group has come back year after year. Uh, some of the young people that I watched as young people are now older. Yeah. And in charge and doing yeah. things uh, <laughs> down there. And I thought, oh, wow. You know, um, that's how life goes, and it's so exciting to be a part of it. Right. Um, so why do you like camping? I mean, you're in camping. You're, you're, what, what is your position? Uh, so I'm our canteen supervisor. Okay. Um, so I just take care of the building, take care of the canteen that's in and there. What the is that? Post. What is the canteen? People are listening have no idea what we just Yeah, said. yeah, yeah. So our, our canteen is actually our social area. So after, if we have like a seminars or a chapel session or anything, we want to provide a space for people to kind of come to, not only to hang out and maybe laugh about what went on throughout their day here, but also to like talk about maybe the message, what they learned, all that kind of stuff. So we provide a space, the canteen, where we've got tables where they can sit down, booths, we have couches, just somewhere where they can go, sit, talk to each other, and maybe enjoy a few snacks and stuff like that as well. So we've cool. got, you know, a small kitchen. And then obviously we want them to remember their time here at Silver Birch Ranch. So we provide a small storefront so they can buy sure. sweatshirts, T-shirts, stuffed animals. And coffee, of course. And coffee, yes. yes. For yes. those that are coffee <laughs> fanatics, there you go. Yep, yep. do have a, a coffee going back there because they stay up pretty late sometimes talking about their, their days here. Yeah. And, you know, that that's an important part of any ministry because everything that's important is relational. So to provide mm -hmm. the relational space. And, and I appreciate how when you looked at it, you said, no, it's a relational place. Mm -hmm. It isn't just a place. Because that's what it should be in ministry as you see the whole picture, not just part of it. Um, all of us otherwise can get stuck in a little rut um, right. in that sense. But you didn't grow up in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. No, no. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. Okay. And <laughs> it was very urban. Uh, I would say so. Yeah, I, I grew up in kind of hanging around South Holland and Harvey. So, okay. Um, and, and so that's a different uh, kind of life. A little bit different than up here. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> how know. are you adjusting? I mean, there, there has to be adjustment. Definitely. Um, so I would say I think the biggest adjustment has just been everything is 40 minutes away up here. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yep. I could I could order food from my phone and, and it'd be there in 10 minutes, you know, in Indiana. Doesn't happen here. <laughs> Does not happen. No, no, no. The closest restaurant is, you know, miles and miles away yep. and all that. Uh, I think that's the biggest adjusting point. I feel like I've spent three full summers here, so when it comes to the warmer weather and even maybe slightly chilly weather, I'm fine. You know, I like yeah. it up here. I've had no problem. That's why I feel like I kept coming back. It's like I really didn't mind it, you yeah. know. I thought I adjusted well, and I loved it. So the winter is the one part where I'm kind of like, okay, I'm used to winters in Chicago, but I don't know that I'm used to the six or eight foot of snow you guys get up here. Yeah, in the well, below that's a little exaggeration, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a, yeah, I love cross country skiing, so hmm. um, and I maintain our ski trails, so I love the snow. It, my thought is, if it's going to be cold, we need snow. Uh, yep. Otherwise, we're cold. And we cold. have nothing to do with it. <laughs> exactly. If you got snow, you can go out and play. 
Yeah. And uh, I tell every person that comes, every young person, every class at Nicolay Bible Institute, I'll usually have some time where I, I prep them for the cold of winter because some of them are from uh, South America and other places where they're just not used to the cold. Yeah. And I, I give them rules. And one of the rules is if it's good looking, it ain't warm. That's you know, true. It's like get yourself something right. that, that just has thickness to it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and wear it, and and if you're trying to look good and slim in the in the winter, stop it. <laughs> yeah, I, I tend to pack it on yeah, for the you winters. Know I mean, you know, <laughs> really, I, I you know I know that people will probably laugh, and they've come up with all these miracle cloth or whatever. It's fine, mm. you use them, but I'm telling you something: thickness is warmth, and you just don't need to look great in the right. in the winter. Right. Um, you know, I wear on the coldest days. I'll wear flannel lined jeans, which you get at Fleet Farm, the man's mall, and you can mm-hmm. you get them at a good price. And, and then I wear, you know, a, a layers and layers because you don't want to sweat, so you take one off, whatever. Right. Because people, no people like being cold. That's true. So when, when someone from, like, Arizona talks to me and goes, well, I just don't like being cold, it's like, well, neither do I. <laughs> you assume that I, I like it up there. <laughs> yeah, but I've learned how to live outside and not be cold. Mm-hmm. And that's the difference. Yeah. When you learn how to do that, then you can live in the cold weather and be fine with it. Right. It's like, I don't mind, you know, 68 degrees in my house. You know, right. I can throw on a sweatshirt and I feel comfortable. Right. But, yeah, I don't think I would like, you know, feeling plus like. You, yeah. Plus you get used to it. I mean, honestly, it like right now the temperatures are outside. It's like, you know, 40, 50. It's chilly to me. Mm-hmm. In the spring, this would be warm to me. Mm-hmm. So your body adjusts. I mean, it just starts to adjust to the cold. Right. And I don't know how God does that, but somehow. And my question to those friends of mine and those who are listening right now in Arizona is, I don't know how you deal with the heat. <laughs> the I, know, I, get I, yeah, I mean, the other yeah. one, you can only take so much <laughs> off. And if it's still, you know. I was out in Arizona once, and I, I was speaking somewhere, and I, they said, well, I'll go for a dip. And I, so I get my suit on, and as I'm going over to the pool, my feet are burning on the sidewalk, <laughs> burning. So now I'm running, trying to keep my feet off the sidewalk. That's not working. I can't go to the side because it's all cactus and gravel or something. Right. You start doing that it, little dance walk. Yeah, like, so I'm, I'm trying to get over, and then I jump in the pool, and I think, help, the pool's boiling. <laughs> There's no relief. Yeah, thought, it just doesn't there end. There's no way I'm going to get cool here. <laughs> To show you what kind of Midwestern mind I have, I we were in a hotel and it, it was set at like, the the room was like 80 degrees set at or something. Jeez. And I called and I said, is the air conditioning working? Yeah. What, what's the problem, sir? It is working. I said, well, the room's at 80. He goes, well, that's what we set it at. <laughs> I go, you set the air conditioning like, at 80? Are you insane? I am from Wisconsin. <laughs> Well, sir, just change it. You, there's a thermostat there. Thank you. I, you know, I didn't know. I thought, okay. So 80 degrees. I cranked that baby down to 68. That's not even on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not even on. They must have thought this man is nuts. But yeah, 80 degrees. That's what, that's what my dad's like. All right, maybe we'll turn the AC on now. Yeah. Well, when I drive up here in northern Wisconsin, it's 60. My air conditioning goes on in my car. You know, mm-hmm. what I mean, it's like. Ugh, getting hot out you know the, well the sun's coming through the window though, right so it's right. a little hotter yeah uh, enough about that you know i mean it's interesting i think 
You know, I think, you know, Ethan, you're one of the young guys who you love God, you want to share God with people, you're, you're relational. Um, and Satan will put anything he can in your way now to get you off track, mm-hmm. whatever that is. Yeah. Um, it's so important for you to keep your eyes on, on honoring who God is and loving God and loving people and realize as you do that, you, you position yourself to get beat up. There is no possible way. Think of it this way. You know, Stephen, you know, in, in the Bible, in Acts, and Stephen is um, one of the great heroes of the faith. Well, he got stoned to death. And, and all he did was listen to God. I mean, he listened to God. He said exactly what God wanted him to say. He's looking at these people doing exactly what God wants him to do. And they kill him. Hmm. And he was the winner. I mean... When you think about that, you go, oh, that, that's interesting. Yeah. How do I have that mind frame where I know what to do and I do it? Because my thought process, one of the, I, I love playing mind games, but one of the mind games I like playing is I, I think about the people that Stephen, that's stoning Stephen. So Stephen, while he's getting stoned, looks up. He sees Christ standing at the right hand of the Father, so he sees that. So he knows that th- that's a symbol in the Bible of honoring a person. So the God of creation's honoring Stephen by standing. Hmm. He's never mentioned ever in the Bible standing except for that instance. Otherwise, he's always seated on the throne. Right. But when Stephen was getting stoned, he stood. That's amazing to me. Right. And, and when Stephen saw that, I bet you he began to, if he would pause, I don't know if he did, but if he paused and looked at everyone throwing stones, angry, hateful, I wonder if he thought, so that's what it's like to be a loser. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, see, see, see the hatred across he's from you. Yeah. stoned. Yeah. But he's the winner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, that's just, uh, I don't know. I, I'm concerned for your generation because we've grown up, you've grown up in a nation of, very comfortable people. Yep. That's and we think suffering is something we avoid. But if you love God, are you going to be able to do that? Yeah, it's, I think for me, at least with like Christianity these days, it's like if you're comfortable where you're at, then you're not, you're not doing like what God wants you to do. You know, if you're truly living that Christian life, with today's standards and the way like people believe, I think you're going to be attacked if you're doing what God wants you to do. You know, people these days definitely recognize difference. So what does Satan attack in your culture though, in our culture? What does he attack that makes you think that you're losing? <laughs> um, a lot of different things. I mean, it's turned into a big social thing, you know, because uh, I can even see it, and sometimes my family members, it's like they go to school, and I'm like, oh, like, have you talked to any of your friends about, you know, your beliefs? And they're like, I really don't want to bring it up, you know? Right. Because <laughs> they're like, I, the kids who talk about their faith and, like, all this kind of stuff, you see them, they're kind of outcasts in public schools. Yeah, they are. You know, they, nobody really wants to talk to them, um, which is kind of my experience when I would bring it up in school and stuff like that. It was just like... Christianity is such a like red flag to people who aren't Christians anymore. Right. You know, they they hear 
oh, like I'm a Christian. And they automatically think like, I really don't want to be around this person anymore. Yeah. Um, so socially it comes after you first and then mentally it becomes a problem because, you know, we all as human beings want fellowship. We want, you know, friendship. We want to talk to other people. We want to connect with people. And as soon as that, we feel like we're being shut out from even being able to just say hello to someone and they won't even say it back. Right. Like it just, it gets to you really hard, you know? Um, and you know, there's physical damage that can happen. Um, but I feel like that, that mental stuff gets to you real quick just cause you feel so alone if everyone's shutting you out and there's no other friends you can turn to, to be right. Hey man, like, right. are you experiencing this too? Right. <laughs> And that's part of, I think, the importance of, a, of, of having a good Christian fellowship or people around you that might be a part of that. Um, our world is much more private than it ever used to be, but it's much more public online. Mm. That's, but, yeah, I'm not, that's a very true statement, yeah, and it, it sounds weird to say that out loud. Because online relationships aren't really relationships. Mm. So, but people will hole up in their own world and only communicate through online stuff and that's leaving a whole generation lost right as far as real relationships and being able to relate to people uh, the, the studies i have seen and heard of recently by pediatricians is absolutely um, terrifying with the amount of just young people who are devastated by their mental illnesses of depression and anger and 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 a lot of it is they're they're looking at all this information out there there's no doubt about the role that that social media plays in a young person's development in their mind and it's not healthy right yeah i think i was one of those lucky people who i was growing up um a social media really didn't become a thing until I was in like maybe sixth grade. Right. So my whole childhood was still, I get home from school, I immediately go to the baseball park right. and I'm playing 16 inch with all my friends right. and stuff like that. And I see them every day. You know, yeah. I call people, hey, let's hang 16 out. 16 <laughs> inch, by the way, those of us that grew up in Chicago, all you got to do is say softball and we think 16 inch. Right. Up here, they don't, they play weird. They oh play my 12 inch. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they they like they try to toss it like hard and stuff yeah. like they're trying to pitch to you. I'm like, yeah, lob it like right over yeah, the plate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Those of us 16 inches. All right, so we have the same language here anyway. It's like you know, <laughs> I understand why you said 16 inch, but just so if you would have said softball, I would have gathered right. it 16 inch. Right. Yeah. Back where I grew up, yeah, south of Chicago, it's always like you say softball and and sometimes people ask, oh, 12 or 16, but most of the time you're like, oh, 16 inch slow pitch, like. That's yeah. that's like all the leagues that play. You know, stuff. the first time I saw first time I played up here softball, and I came and people had gloves on, and I like mm -hmm. say, "What are you doing?" I didn't know what they were doing. Right. I thought we don't play with gloves. Right. Yeah, those sixteen inch mush ball. Yeah, and know? they looked yeah. at me and said, "What do you mean you don't play with gloves? Isn't a softball?" <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Those, oh. those twelve inch ones, man. Those will hurt. I yeah. think. I even tried to play with some of the 16s here. Yeah. And like some of them, no patent on them. There, you can just feel the. Yeah. Well, we used to do that. When you would buy uh, the, the great brand years ago, it was called Clincher. And when you would buy a Clincher ball, they were like rocks. 
Oh, my gosh. If you're a batter, that's what you want. Right. If you're a fielder, you go find one that's a sponge. <laughs> those those hurt, yeah. 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 You get those so, line drives sometimes, they'll yeah. leave some marks on your hand. Yeah. Anyway, that's kind of interesting. You know, I mean, again, we're, we're talking about adjustments, and one of the, the most critical things that you learn in life is that you're – Satan studies you. Uh, now, I don't know if he does or his demons do, so I don't want to get into that argument, but it's easy for him to push us in a direction that keeps us from what we should be. Mm. You always need to have in your life a way to check out what you believe and what you think against something that's not in your life, like the Bible. You should always be able to, like even before I, I saw you today, I was looking up, different things, and um, there's a verse on the wall, there be still and know that I'm God. And I was looking up the word still and what that means, and it really is you be helpless. Be in a position where you really know you can't do it, and when you're there, you'll know that God is God. Hmm. And, and so I, I was thinking, do I do that, or do I want to be in control of everything? Do I feel like I need to be in control? And if I do, is that keeping me from knowing that God's God? And the, and the answer I kept getting while I was reading that was yes. So it's like, oh. Well, I have, to, I have to start thinking about that more because I have productivity and responsibility as like hallmarks of Christianity. The weakness stuff, hmm. I'm not sure I like that. <laughs> It's not something you often like to hear is, hey, I need to open myself up to Yeah, but attack, look at Stephen you know? <laughs> again. We talked about him. He just stood there and took the stones. Hmm. And when he took the stones, he saw Jesus standing. Be still. Be helpless. And know that I'm God. That's when you know you're God. Moses, standing at the edge of the Red Sea. Helpless, Pharaoh's army is going to kill us. God, no, they aren't. I just got you helpless. So look at me. Let's split that C. Hmm. Now, one thing after another in life, and, and as I'm getting older, and I've said this, and young guys have a hard time comprehending because you've grown up in a world that my generation created and competence and all that good stuff, hard work. But really, I think the greatest asset I ever brought to ministry was my inabilities, not my abilities. And in that, you surround yourself with people who are totally different than you. And in that, you develop a, a team because you're saying to guys like Jason on our staff or Steve or, or Dan, you know, this is your job. Why? Because I can't do that. Hmm. So that's being still right there. You're saying, I can't do that. Uh, the amount of resources that are necessary for this place to even stay operable for people like when you were young, mm -hmm. do you know that besides the regular camper income that comes in, we need over a thousand dollars a day in gifts. Yeah, a day. That's insane. <laughs> over That's... it, it could be closer to fifteen hundred a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year to stay open. And that's just to operate. It's just know? to operate. That's not even expanding anything. And what's amazing to me is that we are now—we just finished our fifty-fourth summer. We are completely out of debt. We have no real fundraising department. Mm -hmm. We don't do fundraising things. Uh, the area you're in is the only area if we make money, we'll make money in is selling a sweatshirt or a coffee or something. Right. 
so it's amazing when you look at God, and yet it's to be still. It's the so this morning as I was thinking through that, and that's what I would encourage you all the rest of your life to always be grabbing the Bible and looking at it and saying, I, you know, is this me that that this is talking to? Because mm-hmm. you won't think it is at first. Right. I think an important part of like you say like checking yourself against the Bible and stuff like that and always evaluating where you're at. I think a lot of Christians tend to check themselves out according to their fellow Christian. Oh, absolutely. So I think it's important to emphasize evaluate yourself based on the Bible, not on other Christians, because then I feel like you bring in a whole another mess of things. You know, you might have some resentment of yourself or of that other person, but you can't really have a resentment of God if that's who you're, you know, trying yeah. to, you know, evaluate, evaluate yourself according to. So, And that's really hard to do because, uh, I mean, honestly, do, do you know what greed is? I think I do. Yeah, See, I, I that's try, a good yeah. answer. <laughs> you think you do. I, and if you were to ask people my age if they knew what greed was, they'd say the same thing. I, yeah, I think so. The next question is, are you greedy? I think so. Okay. Now, see, what's really hard in our country is to get to the point where we look at these things and say, could that be me? Hmm. And let, let's say we find out what the definition of greedy is, and I, we could spend forever trying to do that, and we're not going to do that. But we found it out. You know, we're not surprising God by the fact that we're greedy. Mm-hmm. God isn't tolerant, by the way, like our culture likes to preach. He's not tolerant. He's patient. To be tolerant means you you accept something that you shouldn't accept. Hmm. To be patient means, okay, I know that's where you're at today, and I know that you're going to move forward with it, so I'm okay with you because there's movement involved. Mm Mm-hmm. The minute that you tell God he needs to accept your evil, you've asked him to be tolerant. It's not really something you can ask him. <laughs> no, and, yeah. and think of your culture, that tolerance is like king and queen. Oh, if you don't have tolerance, then not only are you called out for it, but people people will bring attention to it. You know, as soon as someone hears... You know, like, oh, well, he doesn't really like him because of this or something yeah. like that. Or he doesn't believe in this. Immediately, it's like, got to shut it down. Got to yeah, shut him but down. But do you have to, can't, can't, can't we disagree with people and still like them? Oh, not these days. No, definitely not. Well, I'm telling you, we got to talk about that in the next segment more. Because <laughs> you, you got to be able to. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have to be able to talk to people who think differently than you and care for them. Right. Uh, all right, we're going to pick this up in the next segment, but it, it, as we sign off on this, this part, this one, you know, be thinking, okay, God, you look at me, you see everything I'm doing wrong, you still love me. You still are patient with me and still put things in my life to help me grow and become the person I should be. So how do I emulate that then to the next generation? Hmm. How do I emulate that to my friends and not hate them when they disagree about vaccinations, perhaps, or, or anything else that's you out pick there? Your yeah, pick your topic. There's quite a few of them. <laughs> we, we could, you know, is, is uh, you know, 
the new wireless going to, you know, from Satan and we're all going to die from it or yeah. whatever it might be. So this is Dave and Ethan. We're with Younger and Older in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch. We'll talk to you again real soon.